Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where women share stories of God's love. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have a story from Amy. And Amy and I met because we are in a mastermind group together, and she lives in Kansas City. And This is a topic I've been wanting for a while. First of all, she talks about the Enneagram, which is something (laughs) that you hear us talk about a little bit, but uh, she really digs into that as part of her story. She does. And, you know, for for those of you Mm -hmm. who are listening and don't really know much about the Enneagram, (laughs) like me, Lindy and Robin could probably give us a tutorial themselves, (laughs) but I wanted to really dig into it. And so that's why she is our story within the story on Patreon this month. So if you are not a Patreon member, you can go to patreon.com forward slash STL community. And she just gives us all kinds of great information about what the Enneagram actually is. And also for those of you who are listening and might be a little weary about it, (laughs) she really does talk about that it's not a tool for you to just hang your hat on. It's a tool to help you understand who people Mm -hmm. are, who you are, and you use that in your Christian walk. Because I know a lot of Christians are a little leery of Mm -hmm. it, or some are. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's that's an exciting part of her story as well. But the huge part of her story is just stepping into more with God Mm -hmm. when you're feeling stuck. Yes, this one is so near and dear to my heart because it is she felt stuck in her role as a woman in the church. And so you're, I really think that you'll get a lot out of this as you listen and maybe find yourself in bits and pieces of her story. That's right. And I hope you also hear her, her tell you that you too can hear God's voice when you feel like you're, you need to step into more. He will show up. You just have to be looking for him. So here's Amy. I was born to two very young idealists, and I use that word idealist very strategically because there is, if you dive deep into the Enneagram, and as an Enneagram coach, I have done some deep diving. There is a triad of Enneagram types that are actually called idealists, and this revelation not only helped me understand my parents, but it also helped me understand myself. So, I have two young parents who were young. I mean, we're talking, I think my mom was 21 when I was born. My dad was 24. So they were babies. They were babies. And my mom leads as a type one and my dad leads as a a type seven. And those two happen to be in this harmony idealist triad, which means my mom had this idea of perfection that was just There is no way anyone could live up to this ideal of perfection. And then you have my dad who leads as a seven and his ideal lied in the idea of freedom. And yes, and I lead as a type seven. So all of this, all of this will make sense as I continue to tell my story, because I really think, I think there's a theme here. And this is why I love the Enneagram, why I love using it. I love Jesus more than than the Enneagram. But (laughs) why I love using the Enneagram is that it's this idea. If you don't like the story that you are in, then you can use this as perspective to begin to write a different story. We, you and I cannot change anything about the story that we've lived. But now with the help of the Enneagram, we can better understand why our perspective is what it is and why our experience was what it was. And we can also better understand the players in our story. And then we can take this amazing information and insight and begin to write a different wholehearted story, as I like to say, because I'm all about wholeheartedness. So <laughs> anyway, I my parents were in the ministry really from before that uh, when I was born. My dad was uh, in seminary and my mom 
jokes about how she wrote, she did go through seminary as well, except for she was just behind the scenes writing all my dad's papers for seminary. Because <laughs> again, perfectionist, and she is a writer herself. She's very talented, um, a very a quiet writer, um, but a ton of talent there. But we, you know, so there went on in their idealist ways. My dad was a maverick in churches and my mom was the perfect pastor's wife. And, you know, that was my experience. I ended up being the oldest of four kids. We moved around a lot to different churches. I saw a little, you know, a few different denominations in my younger years of in that experience. But I would say my Christian church experience was very traditional. It was very normal and average. It was definitely not charismatic whatsoever. And, um, uh, but I, I did get that experience later on, but it was just this traditional idea that men are pastors and women dutifully serve behind the scenes. Maybe they're at the organ <laughs> or the piano. <laughs> And for my mom in the 90s, it was the keyboard, the electric keyboard that could travel for, you know, tear down and set up for a a portable church. But it was just this idea that, yeah, women just play this dutiful, supportive role. Uh, The other thing that I experienced in my early childhood, um, unfortunately, is something that Satan used to reinforce a lie again and again. And in my early years, I experienced sexual abuse. And unfortunately, as those, you know, I think we're really talking about percentages now, one out of every three, you know, women, and I think one out of every five men experience some sort of sexual abuse um, or experience that takes away their innocence. And in those stories and in those occurrences in my life, I think Satan was trying to reinforce the lie that women are simply sexual objects. And so I I think many of my friends have experienced that or this idea that women play just this dutiful, supportive role. And there's not as many options to them, which is then another lie that Satan was able to reinforce because of my personality. My personality as a seven is enthusiast, but I want freedom. I don't want anything to limit me. And instead, what I heard a lot of my life that was limited by my femininity, by my role in my family, by our finances, and even my education. There were so many things that Satan really twisted and turned and and perverted even to get me where I felt stuck where I was. And instead of doing what um, the Lord was ultimately placing in my heart. So as a pastor's kid, I wanted to do all sorts of things that were wild and crazy because, right, you know, we're under the scrutiny and the eye of the world, it felt like, and not really, right? It was like a hundred people, maybe a thousand people if we happened to be in a big church, but it felt like the whole world. And so, you know, kind of a typical pastor's kid, which I do joke that maybe I need to start a Pastor's Kid Anonymous program. (laughs) I seem to have a lot of pastors, former pastor's kids in my coaching program. I'll just throw that out there. I think that's very interesting. But, you know, it was just this idea of wanting to be free from some of those limitations and really mostly self-placed limitations that I had in myself. And so growing up, I wanted to be all sorts of things. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to bring about justice. I wanted to save the world. I also then on a more serious side, I wanted to be a counselor. But if I'm honest, I really wanted to be a counselor because I couldn't reckon 
this call and this desire, a baby desire, to have a role in the local church. This baby desire I had to teach other women. Because I was a natural teacher. It was just something I did. I used to teach Sunday school. I, I did love working with kids. And that was pretty traditional. That that was kind of allowed. Oh, you can, as a woman, you could be a Sunday school teacher, maybe even the children's pastor. Like, whoa, big deal. Maybe a children's pastor, right? But I I didn't really want that role per se, but I didn't, I didn't see any other options. I loved doing pastoral care. I just naturally, for whatever reason, whether It was because I was a pastor's kid or because we had a lot of broken in and out of our church. I was that listening ear. I just had this ability to draw people. And and maybe I was willing to just sit with people in their pain, not as well as Enneagram 4 does, but (laughs) but life had taught me a few things and I could empathize and I could sit and I could listen. And I I knew that I had this desire. And I, I even remember going to a church family camp. And it was real special. And I can't remember what his name is, but I know he had an evangelism ministry to the Native Americans. And it was just such like an amazing thing. And he hosted this family camp and he did an altar call at one point for those who felt called to missions or ministry. And I remember sitting there and like sitting on my hand because heaven helped me if I raised my hand and I had to actually commit to that. But I, but my heart was stirring and I was totally chickened out. And I, I often, (laughs) I used to think for a while, maybe the Lord didn't allow me to fulfill what I thought my calling was because I didn't raise my hand. Now, let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Not true. In my heart though, I raised my hand, but I didn't know what to do with it because what was beyond that? I was a 17-year-old young woman who was trying to figure out how I was going to afford college and, and what that looked like to go to school and, and pursue some of these things in my heart. So I did get into a wonderful college, and I got into a specific college with the idea that they had an amazing master's program for counseling. And well-renowned counselor, Dr. Larry Crabb, ran that program, and I thought, oh, man, that would be amazing. I loved his books. I was an was a little bit of a nerd. Okay, a lot of a nerd when I was a kid. And so I had already read some of his books. And I was so, I was just so excited. I felt like this was going to be freedom because my family at this point, we'd moved from Southern California to Ohio, started a church, planted a church. And this program and this school was in Colorado. And I was like, I am getting as far away as I can from this place. I am shaking the dust off my feet and I'm going to Colorado. Mountains, freedom, like it is going to be amazing. Well, it was, I think, maybe June uh, before I was going to start my program. I had already met my roommates. I already been to the campus, knew where my room was. And we realized that I wasn't going to be able to get the scholarships I needed to make that schooling opportunity happen. Of course, I was devastated because what? This is my dream. You know, I was not about to go to the local community college or Malone Bible College because, yeah, I had all sorts of really silly reasons that I won't confess here. Things like hairdo and style, like for real, come on. (laughs) It mattered to me at 18. I don't know why, but it did. But I just knew that for some reason, even though that dream was looking like the door is closed, I needed to go out to Colorado. I found a way. I found an intern program at a mega church, and it was one of those happened to find it. They weren't taking any more people, and they certainly weren't taking any more young women because they had already maxed their capacity of female versus male. But I know, and it was like, it was painful to hear that. 
but I decided to go ahead and go through the process anyway. I remember we were traveling to California for a family reunion. I think it was my grandparents' 50th anniversary. And I did an interview on the road with the director of the program and and then the co-director. And I knew I was supposed to be there for some reason. I was supposed to be a part of that, uh, you know, that was going to be my next adventure. And of course, the Lord opened up the door and let the and, and they let the ratio go and they let me join the program. Well, interestingly enough, and I say this with all kindness and and also knowing that I've processed my story, is that unfortunately, I went from a tough situation to an even tougher situation because that program, while there was a lot of benefits, and I'm going to share some key moments for me unfortunately, was spiritually abusive. And I didn't have language for it at the time. I had no idea. And and the Lord has done a lot of work there. But I think I say that aspect because sometimes when we look back on our story, we go, but I thought the Lord led me. I thought I was supposed to do this. I thought I heard his voice, but why did it not have the outcome <laughs> that I desired? And I don't doubt for, you know, now on this side of things and and really 20 years of healing <laughs> later, I can honestly say God used that path to get me exactly where I needed to be today. Because it's one of those experiences that stands up to me. And that really changed the trajectory of my life. We were responsible as interns for all sorts of things, tear down and set up and meals. And we stayed up till midnight and we got up early to work out and we went on missions trip and did all sorts of crazy missions training and whatnot. But one of the things we got to participate with was being leaders in their youth group. It was called TAG at the time. And there was a little chapel to the side of the main auditorium called TAG Chapel. And one Wednesday night, I remember, you know, hearing a woman's voice coming from the stage. And I had stepped out. I was probably doing something or maybe I was trying to get out of you know the service because it was another service and another thing. But I heard a woman's voice on the microphone and I could tell a woman was teaching from the stage. I go in and I hear this woman is teaching the word of God and she is speaking to both the young men and the young women. And she is she is bringing fire and she is bringing truth. And her name happens to be Lisa Bevere. And it's 1998. And in my little world so far, I had not gotten to see a woman speak and teach from the stage to both men and women. It wasn't a women's conference. It wasn't a women's retreat or event. This was church. And yes, I know it was a youth group, but it was church. And she was put in a position of leadership and authority to teach the word of God. Uh, that was just one of those pivotal moments that I think back and I, I, in my heart, it planted this scene, seed of, oh, women can do this too. And she even in her, in her talk, and I can't remember it clearly. Again, it's been 23 years. So it's been a while and I've totally just given away my age, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. But I, I would just remember her talking and addressing this concept about women being treated only as a sexual object and addressing that in her unique way that made me take a moment. It didn't get me free in that moment, but took a moment to consider that narrative that I had subtly believed over the years and a lot of life had reinforced I continued on in that internship program and got to hear from many other phenomenal women speakers over the years that they shared this stage with, whether it was 
a prophetic conference or a woman's conference and, you know, all the, all the different things. And of course, the, the Beveers were just down the street there in Colorado Springs. So they came and spoke off, often. And there was a lot of really wonderful things. Well, that though the three years of that, that time spent there, there was a lot of pain. And so unfortunately, instead of stepping into a role of, I think I'm going to pursue this idea that maybe the Lord has gifted me to teach and preach the gospel and share the good news in in a you know a greater way, maybe from a stage, maybe to a group of people. I needed to recover. I needed to recover from church. I needed to re- step out a little bit from that traditional church scene and figure out where did the Lord have me? And so I did the, you know, barista thing and the the store manager thing. I even got into real estate where interestingly enough, and I won't share the story here, but I met my husband. And I always say that I had made a vow when I was younger that I would never marry a pastor and I would never marry a person with certain qualities. And I'll tell you what, I made good on that promise. I ended up with someone very opposite of what I said I would never do and someone who who very much has a heart to share Jesus. But he also loves climbing trees and trimming trees and planting trees. He is an arborist. So, you know, we are all about maybe church in the woods, but we're not going to, he's not going to be standing on it. He might, you know, help fell the trees for the platform that someone will stand on, but he will not be standing on that platform. So I, you know, we really had very a typical American Colorado life and we quickly in a blink of an eye had two little babies and I at one point was definitely drowning because I we had two babies 14 months apart and that was just tough and it was a quick like 25 get married by 20 29 years old I've got two little babies our, our world is like upside down and financial stress and all these things and there was another, it was kind of another awakening moment because while I hadn't ever left the church, I, I felt like there was a little bit of a crisis of faith in those years. And I never could quite reclaim that passion and that fervency that I had had experienced in my youth at times. And certainly during the opportunities that presented itself in my intern program and the church that I was involved in, and especially stepping into a season of marriage and motherhood where I mean, how do you find time to read the Bible? I used to pray in the prayer room for hours. There's what, huh? Like, you know, I'm lucky if while sitting on my toilet, I get five minutes of a proverb. Like that, that was it. That was the extent of what I was getting. But I'll, I'll never forget. It was kind of this like, oh yeah, the Lord does speak to me and I hear his voice. It was 2008 and we started to hit rock bottom and um, my husband got a job that he hated. And it didn't take long for me to figure out that this wasn't going to last long and this this wasn't going to be healthy for us in the long run. And we decided we need to get out of Dodge and take a little trip to Columbia, Missouri to visit my husband's family. And of course, the babies are screaming through the night because they don't like being in the car seat. And one of them wants to nurse all the time, but she won't take a pacifier. I mean, it was one of those, like, why on earth did we do this? We're nuts. We're young. We're stupid. But we did it anyway. But it was on that trip, not only did I think, I don't know if our marriage is going to survive, but two, it's about four in the morning and we're driving through Kansas and I start seeing signs for Kansas City. And as we're driving through, finally, everyone's asleep in the backseat and I hear this 
like whisper, audible voice, impression, whatever you want to call it. But I heard you are going to move to Kansas City. Mic drop. Uh, There's no reason why. I'm in Colorado, Kansas City, mountains, flatland. I mean, sun is shining. 300 days a year, sun is covered up 300 days a year. I mean, like the comparisons are stark. There is no reason why, you know, family, all my family now is in Colorado Springs because they followed me because they were smart. And there is no family in Kansas City. Like, what the heck? I have two babies. Kansas City? No, no. And so I sort of, I know. I have this this strong impression that it was the Lord. But I also go, yeah, the Lord can also say something and then do it in 40 years. So I figured maybe that was God's timeline, right? That made sense to me. Well, that was July of 2008. And then February 2nd of 2009, my husband comes home. He's followed in the car by some, some business people. They take his car keys, his company car keys, and he comes in to tell me that he has lost his job. And this is out of the blue to this day. We have no idea why. And here we are with two little babies. I was literally giving the little babies bath time because, you know, what do you do with them while they're awake and you're trying to figure out how to, you know, help kill some hours. Um, (laughs) You give them baths, but uh, he comes up and he's in tears and we're just devastated. So we decide, all right, well, there's nothing really for us here. We're going to get in a car. We're going to take our two babies and we're going to see where the Lord takes us and what doors he opens up. And of course, immediately, even though it's about eight months later, I remember the word that the Lord gave me back in July. And I know as we hop in the car, I have this strong feeling we're going to end up in Kansas City. Sure enough, we did. It was in that time where I hit another rock bottom because I was alone, no family, no community, no church. My husband worked overtime and he's tired. I'm tired. And and there is nothing except the Lord gave me some cable TV and therefore I could watch (laughs) Beth Moore (laughs) and Joyce Meyer on the regular. And, and it was that, you know, I don't even know why I thought to tune into that or why I decided to push into their teachings and, and their studies and all of that. But that was another huge pivotal moment. And it was about 12 years later from that moment with Lisa Bevere, but it was that reminder again, that seed that the Lord had planted. Oh yeah, women can have this kind of impact too. And I didn't want to be them, but I was certainly ministered by them. And I thought, wow, how amazing it would be to have impact like them. But I certainly knew as I gobbled up their words and just devoured their teaching, my spiritual life wasn't where it needed to be. My hunger and thirst for the Lord while it was there, that's not what I was trying to quench it with. I was trying to quench it with anything else. And it was their promptings that reminded me to get back in the word and and dive, just dive into relationship, even if it looked like five minutes on the toilet, even if it looked like, <laughs> you know, like trying to wake up a little bit earlier, even if, you know, if it was 15 minutes instead of the the hours of luxury that I used to spend with the, spend with the Lord. But those, those were the the gentle ways the Lord nudged me and really cultivated that unseen place, that unseen growth where my roots really began to grow deep. And it was that brokenhearted moment that thankfully led me to that wholehearted decision to turn to him and go to him for my needs to be met in community and love and belonging and and satisfaction ultimately. In those years really that followed, I can't say that I look to a specific program or even thought, oh, I want to be Beth Moore. I want to be Joyce Meyer. 
uh, any of those things, but it was that gradual opening of my heart that reminded me, I need to step into more. I need to step into more of what the Lord has called me to do and called me to be. And he took me down winding paths, like doing, you know, writing a blog, just writing the stories of my very mundane adventures, those God moments. It, it w- when you begin to write those things, you begin to look for those things and you begin to open your eyes to, oh, these little nudges, whether it was our journey of getting debt free or those moments where I, you know, lost a wallet and the Lord miraculously, you know, protected it and, and returned it to us or, or the, the moment that my husband bought these boots that <laughs> almost destroyed our marriage and saved it simultaneously. <laughs> you know, just all of those little touch points to see the Lord in my girls, in motherhood, when the third baby came and I was still feeling alone and how he became really mother and father and comforter and nurturer. And I wasn't alone anymore. And I was taken care of ultimately by the Lord. No one else was going to take care of me. And this statement isn't a, well, no one else is going to do it for you. So you take care of yourself. This is a statement of no one else is going to take care of you perfectly. And only Christ, your Savior, is the only, He is the only one who can do that and meet every single need we have. Because ladies, we are high maintenance and we are needy no matter how you want to spin it. And then Jesus is the only one who can do that and who can fulfill that. And over the years, as the Lord has been enough, he has, I think, taught me that the lies that I believe that I was too much or not enough and all of that, that 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 might be true in my humanness and my fallenness, but is in in Christ that uh, he is enough and that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. And the Psalm 139 that he he wove us beautifully in our mother's womb and he planned the days that he has for us and he knows the beginning, he knows the end. And in the those you know following years, really the last 10, um, 11, 12 years here of motherhood, sowing in the unseen, the Lord has also been co- cultivating ways to begin to use my voice and to use even I sold Norwex for a little bit, which got me back into social media. I mean, it's the silliest thing, but I was doing Facebook parties. And if you're doing Facebook parties, you have to learn social media. Um, thank goodness I don't have to do that anymore. But, um, and I doubt they're even a thing. So some of my friends here listening, they might be like, well, what's, what's Facebook parties? But, but all of those little pieces added up to learning how to write again for other people, how to share things and teach things. And another key moment that really leads to the beginning of the last five years for me, it was five years ago this May that I took my mother-in-law to a business boutique conference. And it was in Dallas, Texas. And I remember hearing it about the first time, the first business boutique. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to go there. There was just something in me, this desire of like, Oh yeah, remember that thing that I felt like I was supposed to do a little bit more with my calling and my gifting. I, I think there's something connected to it. Well, long story short, I convinced my mother-in-law to come with me and I thought it was to help her and encourage her to share a message that basically was intentional parenting, intentional living, intentional motherhood. And as we sat there at the conference, I felt this mantle in my mind's eye, whatever you call it, in a sense, in a physical sense, lift from her shoulders to my shoulders. And clearly, I went there to learn more about how to sell Norwex. 
and do better in Norwex. And instead, I'm sitting there writing notes about these messages of intentional motherhood, intentional parenting, going deeper in your prayer life and your calling and hearing the voice of God. I, I leave there radically impacted. And my mother-in-law saying, please, would you please run with these ideas? I think that is what you're supposed to be called to. Of course, there's been many twists and turns, but ultimately, ultimately, as I began to teach that, and I began to work with my mom friends, whether it was just at a play date or in a formal setting on a podcast, I continued to hear this message sort of like mine, but it was articulated differently. They did not believe that they were the right mom for their kids. They had all be subtly begun to believe the lie that someone could do this better. Someone would do it differently. Their kids needed something different. They were failures. Motherhood was limiting. Motherhood was preventing them from doing their calling. That whole too much, yet not enough. And that is where I began to realize that the Enneagram was this amazing resource to help me understand their pain point, not only to understand mine anymore, but to be able to help them articulate what it was, where they felt they, they were stuck, where they felt they were limited, where they felt like they weren't enough or they were too much. And I've just had so much joy continuing to use the just this original desire to share the gospel truth, to give a message of intentional living and help people understand the story that they have lived and then help them write a better one, a better one for their kids, a better one for their motherhood, and um, to really love, love their role as a mom and to love motherhood once again. So it's been quite a lot of twists and turns. It's been a windy road. None of it's linear. And there's there's no like final aha moment because I know that I'm still in the middle of God writing this story and God healing my story in several different aspects. But I ultimately want my friends to believe that they too can hear the voice of God, that they are not limited in their womanhood or even in their role as, as a mom, um, that there are many facets of their calling that that they will get to do over their life as they continue to submit to the Lord. That's such a key phrase that many women need to hear is just submit to God. I mean, I think that so often we want to submit to so many other things in our mm -hmm. lives, whether it's our own plans for our lives or what other people expect of us. But all he calls us to do is submit to him. And, you know, if you look in his word, Ephesians 3.20 tells us, you know, that when we submit to him, he can do immeasurably mm -hmm. more than all we could ever ask for or imagine. And he wants to show himself to us. Mm -hmm. That was one thing, too, that she spoke about so much is just the Lord is enough. He is enough. You, you don't need, you know, for those of you who are out there, maybe you've lost your father or your mother. He is enough. Maybe yeah. you're not married. He is enough. And I think somebody out there needs to hear that, submit to him, look for him in all the details around you, and he will show up and help you get unstuck mm -hmm. and step into more with him. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny because I hear the word submit and I kind of cringe and I'm like, oh my God, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that. <laughs> Leaning into your Enneagram 8. <laughs> but the truth is, so this morning, I've, well, I've been reading, I've been going through the Bible recap and we've been going through Joshua and now Judges. And so just this morning, it was about all of these battles when God calls the Israelites to clear out the land and he'll go before them. Mm -hmm. But every time they don't come to him first, mm -hmm. he does not go mm -hmm. before them. And I hear that and I'm able to relate the two and go, that's what it is. It's it's when we strike out on our own and want to, you know, yeah. make something happen 
and we leave God behind. Right. You know, but when we when we go to him, ask him to lead the way, it makes all the difference in the world. As I listened to Amy, I kept asking myself, what lies am I believing? What what Mm -hmm. lies did I believe from my traditional Mm -hmm. church upbringing? Mm -hmm. And where have I been scared to dream big with God, both as a woman and as a mom? I love that she works with moms because... I do have a heart for intentional parenting, although I didn't always do it. Um, <laughs> you really but, like but it. Just, yes. I think it's a great calling. And I just want to encourage her in that. But just that she could step into that dream that she had always had to mm-hmm. impact women. Yeah. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, because here's the thing. Satan doesn't want us to no. be, you know, any kind of soldier for God's kingdom. <laughs> no. And so he's going to try to stagnate us in that walk so mm-hmm. that we aren't going to maybe where God is calling us because we believe the lies of, oh, a woman's not supposed Supposed to do that or in you're the not church good body. Enough, you're not equipped enough. Yes. Yes. Y'all, this is where I can get on my soapbox. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to <laughs> try and not get on my soapbox, but I'm going to tell you a little bit of how God taught me this that I didn't even know the lies I was believing. Right. So it wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I was intentionally yeah. lied to. Yeah. I just didn't know any better. And it was years ago, my kids were still young. I was just really torn. I knew God was calling me to something, I did not know what it was. And I I didn't realize until I was listening to Christine Kane teach one day, and she talked about following her call, following the passions that God had given her, and bringing her family in tow. She had her two girls with her, and they would travel everywhere. And it sounds like such a simple story, but you know, sometimes God can take that moment and drop it in your spirit, and Mm -hmm. you get it. And I had been believing that because I had young children at home, there was nothing I could do, Mm, that I was... And I don't want to say stuck because I love my children, but that I felt the stirring. And this is why Amy's story so resonated Mm -hmm. with me, because I didn't know what to do with that stirring. And I heard that one story that she shared that seems so simple that Mm -hmm. is probably not profound to anyone but me. But God used it to release this thing inside of me that was like, I am called to more. Right. I love my kids. I love my husband. I love my family. But he has a calling for me Mm -hmm. alongside that. And they get to be a part of that. I'm not choosing that calling over them. Mm-hmm. And I had believed this lie forever that if I did anything other than take care of my kids, that I was abandoning my family. Sure. And I didn't even know I was believing it until that moment. And every everything changed after that day. Well, Robin, I'm glad that you listened to your calling. Because <laughs> sure. here we are. Sure. Well, again, we hope that you loved Amy's story as much as we did. And if you're interested in the Enneagram, like we spoke about, that is our story within the story. And you can go to the show notes to click that link to get into Patreon. And again, mm-hmm. there is so much more in store for you on Patreon than just that story within the story. So we hope that you will join that today. And if you're interested in discovering your own story, Please tap into our Bible study series, which can be found at our website, storytellerslive.org. And we have a new website. Which is new. I was, was going to say I wanted to do a song and dance because, yes. y'all, you've asked forever for ways to search our podcast by topic. I get texts all mm-hmm. the time from friends of, hey, can you send me all of your stories on addiction? Can you send me all of your stories on parenting? Guess what? You can go to our website and in the search bar. They all pop up when you type right. in what you want to hear. I did it the other day. I just put in anxiety and uh-huh. there was five stories that just popped up. It popped right up. Yeah. It's so great. So check out storytellerslive.org and you can hit the podcast page episodes and do all the searching you want. So thanks for joining us today. We hope that you love Amy's story. Share it with a friend. If there's somebody that you think needs to hear this, that needs to be empowered, that needs to, to know that God is for them and has a place for them, share her story. And we will talk to you next week.